Welcome to the business of sales. You're here because you want to improve your results in your business, right? Well, that's exactly what we do here on this podcast. We're here to help you answer those five questions that frankly, every business owner has to answer if they want to reach their objectives. I'm Morris Sims, and I've been training professional salespeople for, well, let's just say over 35 years, and I want to help you with this podcast. We give you practical ideas to help you, and we have guests on the show who are going to share their expertise, and that's going to help you get what you want. Hey, here's a clip from today's show. The only reason any business, any business, I don't care if you're selling insurance, selling gadgets, gadgets, it doesn't matter. Any business exists for only one purpose. They solve a problem using a product or service that the client can use to solve a problem that they can't solve on their own. Our guest on the show today is Tony Bouquet. Tony is vice president and adjunct instructor at the American College. He's an author and a speaker and a storyteller. So we're really excited to have Tony with us today and let him tell us some stories for us. But uh, more than anything else, Tony, just really appreciate you being here. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, Morris. It's a, it's a pleasure to, to be with you anytime. But before we start, please, let me share this with you real quickly. Starting before the end of June, you're going to have the opportunity to learn more about the business of running your business. It's going to be something we call our cliff notes. Each one of these cliff notes is going to share something with you to help you in your business and information about the Business of Sales podcast that's coming up next. More to come on how you can make sure you get your copy. Oh, oh yeah, and... There's going to be a free audio program to go along with signing up. Now, audio program, that sounds big, but it's not. It's a short audio file. There's going to be three different ones, one on marketing and prospecting, one on time and how to use it more effectively, and one on the most important tool that you have in your business. So, hey, stay with us. Keep listening to the business of sales, and we'll let you know as soon as your copy of our Cliff Notes is ready for you. Right now, let's get back to the show. Tony, tell us a little bit about how you got started and, and how financial services became a part of your life. Okay, I'll be happy to do that. And as my introduction, I'm going to tell a little story with it. You know, my job in this industry started as a job. It developed quickly into a career and over years has become a vocation because people that I worked with saw something in me that I didn't see in myself at the time. And just to kind of preempt that and, and to uh, give your listeners a little detail, I was a um, shop foreman, a machine shop foreman in South Louisiana in the early 80s. And the oil field was going down and I was being laid off for weeks at a time. When I would come back to work, it would be 24-hour shift, so it was always busy, and I made enough money, and, and life was good for me and my wife. Uh, we decided to have children, and the first one was due when I was laid off. My wife ended up being laid up in bed uh, for the first pregnancy, so we decided to sell one of our cars. 
So the gentleman, one of the gentlemen that answered the ad in the paper, and yes, back then that was how you sold cars. Yeah, <laughs> a real newspaper. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the a gentleman that answered the ad was a gentleman by the name of Henry Madison. And when I drove the car to his home, he lived in what all of your viewers would consider a plantation home. His home had the, the dual staircase around the front of the house, the porch all around. It was just a beautiful mansion. And this gentleman was looking to buy <laughs> my old uh, Honda Civics of all cars. And uh, when I knocked on his door, he came to the door in a suit and tie, of course. It was around 5 o'clock in the afternoon. He asked if he could take my car for a drive. And of, of course, I said, yeah, the keys are in it. Uh, he says, well, you're going to just let me take it by myself. I said, well, yes, sir. I said, I don't think you're going to steal my car. <laughs> I said, I'm going to sit on your porch if you don't mind. You have a beautiful home. And uh, so he took my car and his wife came outside and sit down next to me on the on the porch swing. And she starts asking me questions. I'd never sold anything in my life at this point. And I was trying to sell her my car. And I'm telling her my wife's pregnant. She's laid up in bed. I'm unemployed. I mean, I was shoveling it toward her, trying to get her to buy that car. And the minute the, the gentleman came back, his foot doesn't touch the concrete. And his wife tells him, Henry, hire this young man. <laughs> and I looked, I looked at her and I said, hire me doing what? And the old man answered, he says, selling life insurance. You know, at that moment in my life, Morris, I, I just, I kind of laughed. I said, I don't want to sell life insurance. I don't sell. I'm a machine shop foreman. I do machine work with my hands. I don't want to sell insurance. And the gentleman didn't miss a beat. Henry just quickly said, if you're unemployed, you have to have three employers sign your unemployment book to get your check every week, right? He says, I said, yes, sir. He says, well, if you come by my office and take an aptitude test, I'll sign your book, I'll buy your car, and we'll part ways. I said, that sounds like a plan. I said, I'm good with tests. I'll take your test, but I'm not selling life insurance. <laughs> and I was, I was very adamant about that. The next day, I did take his test. I did, I did, he did buy my car. And uh, about two months later, I was selling life insurance. <laughs> it's amazing how that works, isn't it? It was amazing. It was amazing. And thanks to that gentleman, he became a dear friend, he, more like family to me. And, you know, Henry taught me not to fear commission sales because I'm, I was like just about anyone that ever faced going from a salary position to a commission based income. I was scared. I, you know, I had bills to pay that, that came in every month and I didn't understand commission. But Henry had a way of describing it that made a lot of sense to me and uh, I trusted him and you know as time passed I took his place when he when he retired he was the agency manager for a large agency 
when when he retired, I took his role as agency manager. I became his estate planner for his for his life, and he and his wife were like family to us. So it was a beautiful thing, and uh, I'll never I can never say enough good about that gentleman. I understand that. I feel the same way about the guy that hired me. It uh, it took him over six months to get me, but uh, it worked out beautifully and. His wife is the one that looked at my wife and said, look, it, it really is going to be okay because the gentleman was, everybody called him Flash. His last name was Gordon, and, and everybody called him Flash Gordon. How about that? And he, she says, look, don't worry about it. Flash loves to sell. He'll go out with Morris, and, and I promise you, he'll help Morris make a living, and you guys can, can just do great. So it's amazing how spouses do help in that recruiting process. <laughs> Tony, tell me where you see in today's world the most important thing for a professional salesperson to be thinking about and working on in their business. That's a that's an excellent question, Lawrence. You know, and I've contemplated that myself because I mentor a lot of people in the business. I believe in mentorship. Um, I'm mentoring four or five people at the same time right now. Uh, and you know they're faced. They have to change how they did business in 2020. But you know what I'm trying to get uh, you know all of these mentees to understand is that life didn't change. You know the routines changed, but life didn't change. And what I mean by that is you know the only reason any business, any business, I don't care if you're selling insurance selling digits, gadgets, it doesn't matter. Any business exists for only one purpose. They solve a problem using a product or service that the client can use to solve a problem that they can't solve on their own. That's the only reason any business exists in the United States or anywhere is because we we solve problems that people can't solve on their own. Because if they can solve them on their own, they don't need us. You know, if your your daughter has a fever and you give them Tylenol and you do all the things you can to break the fever, but the fever doesn't go down, eventually you seek the services of a doctor. Because you need that doctor to solve that problem for you and your family. Well, it's the same thing in our business. I mean, we have to solve problems. And I've, I've always hated the term problem solver. It's, mm-hmm. That's always been a, a, you know, I cringe when I hear it. But, you know, when I first started in the business, that's what I was. I was a problem solver to my clients. In 09, I started looking through the dictionary into a thesaurus trying to decide on what term I was going to use to describe what I did. And I didn't find any good replacement for problem solver. So I created my own word, solutionary. We are solutionaries to our clients. Solutionary. I love it. Yeah. I created that word in 09. Because back then when I Googled it, Zero hits, Morris, on Google. Zero. <laughs> there was no hit on Solutionary in 09. So I started using that term. Today, 
there are over a million hits when you put in solutionary. So in you know a relative short time, uh, the words kind of caught on. Uh, you can't protect the word. I tried to protect it. I, I tried everything <laughs> to try to make money on it. They said that the attorneys all laughed. They said, you can't protect the word. I said, well, <laughs> you can't blame me for trying. That's know? right. That's right. But, but that's what we do. We're solutionaries to our clients. Most people that take, and I work for a college, as you know, most, most people that take courses in college on problem solving they're called critical thinking. It's called all kinds of creative terms for it. But when you look at the content and when you look at what they teach, they really teach people how to solve or not solve, but treat symptoms of the problem. They don't dig down and find the true root that's causing the problem mm-hmm. because a problem like any, any problem there's going to be tentacles that's going to feed off of those problems. And those, those symptoms, just like a fever we used as an example a minute ago, a fever isn't normally the problem. It's a symptom. It's a symptom of, the, of a medical problem that exists. The doctors can treat the fever. They can't solve the problem. The problem's going to continue and eventually kill the patient if you don't find the problem. Well, it's the same thing in our business. You can't treat the symptoms and be successful. You have to be good at finding the problem. To find the problem, you have to be knowledgeable. You have to have the knowledge to do so. And that's one of the things that I do now with the college is I help companies find these solutions to the problems that face their people and that's what I do for the American College. I'm a solutionary for the people that need professional development to solve the problems that they face every day. I hope that answered the question that you were asking. Oh, it does answer the question beautifully, Tony. Thank you. That's an amazing way to look at it, though. I absolutely love that philosophy and, and solutionary. What a great word, man. It's it's too bad you can't protect that because that is super. That is just a really, really great word for what we do. No doubt about it. With your mentees, Tony, what's the biggest problem that they tend to have? Where's their challenge today? Well, you know, at first when the, the COVID virus took hold in the state, you know, they were doing business a certain way and they had to change how they did business. You know, some companies were better prepared than others. Some companies could take electronic signatures where other companies still required that physical, physical signature on a document. So needless to say, lots of people face challenges around being forced to, to change. That's one of the things that the, the virus did. It forced change. It wasn't, it wasn't optional. It had to happen or business stopped. And some client, some of our students, some of the people that, that I mentor, they struggled with that mm-hmm. because it, you know, they had to 
completely figure out, and in some cases, without a lot of support from their company. So, like I said, some companies struggled and had to, you know, do some massive changes internally. And you've been part of a company, sometimes, you know, changing course in the middle of a, uh, a, an ocean, it takes a little time to get that ship turned. Well, you know, some of these people, they, they struggled for that period of time. And, you know, the ones that had a longer period of adjustment suffered greater, of course. The ones that could pick up and run just right off the bat, they, they, they adapted quickly and good things happened in 2020. So it was, it was interesting, to say the least. Uh, I don't like the word, uh, <laughs> as you can see, I, words mean something to me. And, and I don't like this word, the new normal. Because I don't believe that there is ever what we would consider a new normal. It was normal at the time because we had no choice. Once choice is brought back into the equation, we're going to return to business as usual because business has to operate in a manner that, you know, centuries of history tell us how business should operate. And we can't use one year or 13 months to determine what's the right way to do business when we have uh, centuries of history that tell us what to do. Yeah, it's business has been done face to face between a willing buyer and a willing seller for a long time. And I don't think we're going to change that either. I'm with you 100%. Tony, what do you think's the one thing or two things that are really important to your to your agents out there today, to your salespeople out there today, that they've got to keep their eye on? What's where where is their focus right now? Well, that's that's a very good question too, Morris. You know, I, I, as you know, you and I have known each other for a long time. I, I believe we have to, anybody out there right now, in times of change, in times of, of struggle, it comes back down to the basics. You, you have to set goals. You have to be, you know, focused on those goals. I like to use the two E's, effective and efficient. You have to be effective in what you do, but you also have to be efficient in what you do. And it starts with setting the goals and then working your goals. In other words, when when you set these goals, and you know, I was blessed to have some of the legends teach me goal setting. Uh, Zig Ziglar was a personal friend of mine, and I can't tell you the hours I spent listening to that man talk about goal setting because I was terrible at goal setting. I was just atrocious at it. We couldn't get a, it couldn't have been worse for anyone else. I was terrible at goal setting until I met that man. And Zig taught me that if you help enough people get what they want, you always get what you want. And it it changed my mindset. It it taught me that my goals and how I balance those goals make me a complete person. You know, Zig taught me goal setting on three levels. He, he was big on three goals, 
for your personal life, three goals for your business life, and three goals for your spiritual life. Because we're, we're all three. We have a professional, a personal, and a spiritual persona. When you're balanced, all three of those operate as one. It's one entity operating on three of these personas at the same time. And until he fit, he showed me that, I didn't get it. I just didn't get it. And now I'm trying to teach my mentors or my mentees how to do this. And it's not easy because, you know, most people struggle with just business goals. I mean, it's, it's not easy to stay focused on any goal because we're juggling so many balls at one time. It is difficult. I'm not going to sit here today and tell you it's not a struggle, even when you know how to do it well. It's still a struggle because it's human nature that, you know, if you're trying to do something that's not um, comfortable for you, you're going to struggle at first. I mean, you have to work through those comfort levels. And once you get comfortable with it and it becomes a habit, then life's good. So. You know, to answer your question, I think you got to be efficient. You got to be effective. You have to be able to take that focus and direct it in the proper manner so that you build and foster relationships. It's, it's all about relationship building. And we do this with the goals in mind. And then embrace your role as a solutionary. And as a servant leader, I mean, those things, once you understand what you're trying to do through the goals that you set and you're focused on those goals, you're, they, they should motivate you. If you're not motivated, then it's awful hard to, to, to change habits. You know, you think of uh, anyone that's struggled with an addiction until they're motivated, the habit continues. They have to be motivated, and sadly, sometimes it requires, you know, some dire straits to happen before they get motivated. But if you stay motivated, your goals are in front of yourself every day, then life soon becomes filled with the proper habits, and then good things always come. I love your points there, my friend. And and Zig is is one of my idols. I, I love the guy. And somebody told him what he said, Ziggler, look, motivation wears off. It's not forever. And he says, Yeah, you know, it's just like taking a bath every day. You gotta keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm yeah, sure I, his favorite. Yeah, I'm sure I completely blew the quote up one side and down the other. But the you fact didn't. you nailed it. <laughs> The fact is, it's absolutely necessary, and that comes back to mindset. Practically, Tony, how in the world, with all the things going on in, in, in your life as a young or, or an old even, a, a person dealing with, with sales in today's world, give me some practical ideas. How do I keep my mindset on the right things and keep it positive? Well, I, you know, I do it through good record-keeping. I keep uh, a daily calendar. My calendar is always full. I try to book two and three weeks in advance. You know, I'm not, it's not easy to do that. You, you have to know 
your ratios of how many people you have to call to get one appointment. You have to know these things. You have to know the law of large numbers. You have to, you know, embrace that law so that it becomes who you are. And if if most people, you know, I've found through the years, Morris, that if you have an appointment, you're going to keep the appointment. You're going to stay focused. You're going to keep the appointment. What happens is if you got dead time, most people end up squandering that time instead of using it to a more productive, uh, a, a more productive use of that time. So you have to stay focused. You have to always be busy. You know, uh, one of the things Henry Madison taught me though is how it, it's critical for people to know in sales in particular when is when's your day done. Because most people that are in sales, they work until they sell something. Well, you know, you can't sell, you know, at all hours of the night. And so that's an unrealistic uh, mindset, I guess you could say, that I'm going to just work until I sell something. Well, the results may not happen today. It may take, you know, weeks, months, depending on what you're selling. So he taught me to trust the activity, trust the activity. And he says, as long as you do three things every day, you're going to be successful. And I, <laughs> I said, Henry, I said, you know, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. You know, because I was a young, aggressive young man who knew nothing about this business. And I'll never forget, he said, the first thing you have to do every single day that you work for this company is have three interviews where you ask the customer to buy. Three times a day, you have to ask the customer to buy. And to ask the customer meant you have to get to a specific product at a specific price and ask for the check. If you didn't do those three things that day, you didn't finish your job. Then he said you, you have to do five fact finders a day. Every day you work for this company, I want you to work on doing five fact finders a day. So you're going to find five individuals to sit down with and complete a fact finder, or at least start a fact finder. You may not complete it, but you'll get as far in, into it as you can. And then the third thing he says, you get 10 referrals every single day that you're in business with this company. And of course, I was a 21-year-old fired young man, fired up, and I told him, damn, Henry, I can do that. He said, no, you can't. <laughs> he said, no, you can't. I said, well, what are you doing to me, Henry? You're killing me. He says, you might not be able to do all three every day. Could you do two of those three every single day? Now, I just told him I could do all three. So what do you think the answer was? Well, of course, I could do two of the three. He says, then that's what you do. Some days you may have three asked to buy interviews. You may only have two full fact finders completed. And you may have 10 referrals. Then quit. Quit for the day. You're done when you hit two of those three things. It, it, it changed how I viewed the business. And in most, and he, Henry was, 
very astute man. He understood that even if I hit, you know, uh, two of those three goals, if I had some more interviews for the day, guess what? I still work. <laughs> so I, he, he, he knew I wasn't going to quit if I had my plans proper. So he taught me the, the, the important things. And that's what I try to share with other people. You have to find a way to know when you did a good job for the day. What, what constitutes a good job in your business? And it can't be time. It can't be eight to five. That, that does not work. It has to be activity-driven. When do you know you've done a good job for the day? And I, I love the way you put it, Tony. You have to ask three people for the sale. You don't have to make three sales. You just have to ask three people because you're in control of whether or not you ask. But, you know, we're not in control of whether or not somebody buys. So, it, it again, it's focusing on what you have control over and what you can do. And there's nothing better than that because then you do have something to be able to say, I know I've put in a good day's work. I know I have done everything I can do to be successful and to reach my goals and desires. So, Hey buddy, it's absolutely a wonderful thing. I love the three and three. Uh, what a great way to end our conversation today, Tony. Thank you so much for being with us. Morris. Thank you. Thank you for all you do for this industry. Thank you for always being so energetic and so fired up about what we do. Because what we do changes lives. It changes the lives of the people that are your audience. And it changes even more lives that they touch. So thank you for all that you do. Well, thank you, my friend. I appreciate the comments. And you're absolutely right. Changing lives is what it's all about. And that's what we do. That's what professional salespeople are all about, especially in the financial services industry. Hey, Tony, thanks again. Really appreciate you being here. And for everybody else out there, hey, make it a great week. Enjoy yourself, and I'll see you again next time. Same place, same time for the business of sales.